Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory. With the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. They go over every vehicle. Terrific service department. That backs it up every step of the way at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online, sunburymotors.com. We're going to get to Bo in a second. What did I say in the show two weeks ago? Okay. Harbaugh to the Chargers is real. I have a source that has told me yes. Not going to reveal the source, not going to go there. But, and voila, he's with the Chargers. You you just, you don't believe me, you don't trust me, I don't understand. I don't get it. Well, what's, what's, the, what's the deal, Todd? I mean, did the suit finally get to you? You used to be more open and trusting. I, I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I was, was I here for that one? I don't remember that. You but. probably were, you probably weren't here that day. Because <laughs> uh, we've, I think that may have been a um, Caleb day. Yeah. I think it was a Caleb day. But, yeah, I said two weeks ago, I said, Harbaugh of the Chargers, real. Uh, because I had somebody tell me that I trusted. They said, no, no, and that the offer that Michigan made was a safe face offer. Uh, okay. Got Bo? So let's rock and roll with Bo. Bo Smolkum is the Ravens beat writer for Front Page. Bo, first of all, welcome. It's really great to have you with us on the show. I know it's a thrill for everybody to talk, for you to talk back to everybody at Bucknell, your old friends. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I heard Todd uh, Hummel way, way back. But, yeah, it's good talking to you. Thanks. All right. So this team is constructed in an interesting way where there's a lot of old standards that have been used. Linebackers, uh, getting a quality safety. In terms of pure roster construction, how do you like the balance of this football team and how it's come together? Oh, I think it's come together really well. And they, you know, the interesting thing, maybe the most interesting thing about it is back in July, around here, the big question was where are they going to get a pass rush from? I mean, who's going to rush the pass? Where are they getting their sacks from? No one had any idea. And then they ended up leading the league in sacks. And two of the big guys that did it were Jadavian Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, who weren't even right. here in July. Right. Uh, they weren't signed until August, and Van Noy didn't join the team until September. But they've been a huge part of what they've done. And Roquan Smith in the middle of the defense has just been unbelievable. He's, John Harbaugh called him one of the, maybe one of the great trades of the organization, and he's right. Um, it goes through him. It was interesting. Yesterday, Lamar Jackson was asked about Roquan Smith, and he called him the Ray Lewis juice for our generation, which is so true. Um, he's just got this energy, and the defense feeds off him. And I know there's a lot written about Lamar Jackson and everything, but to me what this defense has done this year is even more impressive. 
Yeah, and I, I as much as Roquan Smith has done, and I, I think Queen is tremendous. I mean, I don't think he gets enough publicity for what he does. But the guy that really knocks me down is Kyle Hamilton. Uh, when you watch him play that spot and the versatility he brings to the field, what are you seeing? Uh, he's he's just a different kind of guy. He's incredibly physical. Um, that's the thing that strikes you more than anything about him is how physical he is. He's an incredible. I mean, six foot four, and so when they drafted him, so many people talked about his length and how he, he's a different looking safety. But he's incredibly physical. He plays up near the line of scrimmage. Remember, they drafted him as a safety. He's basically been their top nickel corner this year. Effectively, he comes up and plays in the slot. Six foot four, really, really good fundamental tackler. And what strikes me when I watch him play is a lot of times these teams will run these bubble screens where they put a receiver out and they have a couple receivers in front, a couple blockers in front of that receiver. And Hamilton will just throw his blocker to the side and make the tackle for a yard or two loss. Um, really good instincts. And, and like I said, to me, what strikes him, me about him is how fundamentally physically he is. And, and I think that speaks to this defense. I think this defense is, they just hit you. They hit you and they hit you and they hit you. And I, I think it's been their calling card all year. And I think it's been what's made them as good as they are. Yeah. Uh, the, the play about him that blows me away is the game, the, the San Francisco game where he's blitzed, puts pressure, gets cut gets up and on the deflection he's the guy that gets the interception really yeah well, the effort uh, that, the effort was him the effort yeah. is always there against cleveland earlier in the year he came on a on a blitz tipped the ball up in the air caught it and went in for a touchdown um he had three sacks against the colts when he was coming in off the off the slot and they were totally not expecting it now he hasn't had any more sacks since then but that play you're talking about yeah total effort um like i said his instinct is all there and he's just—he's a really instinctive, physical player. I mean, they are so happy with him. Uh, Lamar Jackson was at a point where uh, where Rodgers was with Green Bay, and where uh, Mahomes has been for a couple of years now with Kansas City, where they weren't giving him a lot of help on the outside receiving wise. Now they got Bateman, they got Beckman, and then the draft pick of Flowers of Boston College. What has that meant to Lamar Jackson, the thrower? Yeah, it's interesting because Bateman, you know, they also brought in Nelson Aguilar, who's been kind of a quiet um, but contributor. Uh, but Flowers has been the one that's really, really, really stepped up. He's, he's not a big guy, but no. he's, a, he's a very shifty, really good yardage after the catch guy. And, I mean, I know he can go long, but he's really good in that intermediate zone of like 8 to 14 yards where Jackson likes to throw it. And you throw it there, Flowers makes a catch, he makes a juke step, he makes a defender miss, and suddenly he's got 19 yards. Um, that's what he's done for them. He's, he's been everything the Ravens want. And let's face it, this Ravens organization has a tortured history of drafting wide receivers. One after another just generally don't pan out. But Flowers has been everything they could hope for. And as I said, uh, he and Jackson got, you know, they're, they've had good connection all year. And he just tends to get open. He's really, really hard to cover because he moves well. He cuts well. You want to cover him man-to-man, good luck, because he's just going to get open at, say, six yards. Short pass, he'll turn into a longer gain. So that he's been a big part of what they do. 
it's hard to lose a guy like Mark Andrews, who is just a tremendous player. Uh, I've always thought he was a tremendous player. But to find Isaiah likely in the fourth round out of Coastal Carolina, uh, what does that tell you about their scouting system? Because he means a lot to what they do. Uh, he's been terrific. And the interesting thing is two years ago, the Isaiah Likely's rookie summer, he was probably the best player in training camp. He just wowed everybody. And they actually drafted a tight end in the round before that named Charlie Kolar, who has yes. not advanced the way Likely has. He was hurt most of that rookie year. But anyway, so Likely is the, is the player of training camp. And then he's kind of quiet. He drops a couple balls in week one, and he kind of got lost in the shuffle. When Andrews missed a couple games, Likely came on and showed something. But this past six or seven games with Andrews out, Likely has been phenomenal. Um, he's big. He, he's got a, he, he catches like a wide receiver. He's got an unbelievable ability to stiff arm and make yardage after the catch. So, yeah, Andrews goes down, and there's, there's apprehension about Andrews going down right before a really tough stretch of games with Jacksonville and San Francisco and Miami. And the Ravens are hanging on to first place in the division, and can they still do it with Andrews out? And likely has been terrific. I think six touchdowns in the last six games. But like I said, he's really sure-handed. He, he runs hard after the catch, and they can't possibly have expected him to be as good as he's been in filling in for Andrews. Can Andrews, is the door open to him possibly playing at least a few plays on Sunday? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you. He's practiced now. He practiced a little bit the week before the Houston game. He practiced last week. We saw him running around in the field house in practice, and I thought he was moving pretty well. I thought he was going to play against Houston, actually. Um, he's out there again practicing this week. I don't want to be the guy that tells Mark Andrews you're not playing in the AFC right. Championship game. I'll say that much. He's a competitive guy. I think he'll want to be out there. I suspect it, I suspect we'll see him. And to your point, I think we'll see him in limited doses. I think Isaiah likely will be the main tight end. But in third and five, down at the eight-yard line maybe, down inside the ten, third and middle to short, those are the kind of plays of, I think you'll see Andrews for. That's where Andrews and Jackson have always been best. Um, so I would think I would think it'll be a limited load, but yeah, I, I I'm personally expecting Andrews to play. Right now, I have we've gone through all this so far, and I've asked no questions about who. I've not asked Lamar a single question. That's exactly right. I've not asked you one Lamar Jackson question yet. At some point, it has to be talked about. You see him all the time. Uh, where have you seen the development of a more complete player? that's made a difference in this year's team? Well, I think there's a couple things. To me, I, I, for, well, for one, he's healthy, right? He missed the last month of the last two seasons. But I think this year he came in just more relaxed. I He won't say it, but I think the contract situation was a bit of a burden last year. He seemed just kind of... He seemed kind of tense, even when in and we don't see a whole lot of him outside the interview settings. But he's an engaging guy in the interview settings. He's warm, and last year that some of that didn't seem to be there as much. And I think getting the contract stuff done took a big load off him. For one, I think he's relaxed. To your point earlier about Zay Flowers, they've given him better players. That's a big part of it. I mean, they yeah. just have more better players on offense. Um, when you go back to that 2019 team that went 14 and two, they went 14 and two with guys like Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts at wide receiver. Yep. They have better players this year. So 
that's been a big part of it. He's still a good runner. I think he reads the field well. I think he's comfortable in this Todd Munkin offense. Um, there's still questions about can he really his accuracy on the deep ball. His passing, his completion percentage overall this year was his highest of his career. Right. But again, I think primarily that's between like zero to 15 yards. He's been very good. You get the 25, 30, 40 yarders like you see Josh Allen heave downfield. Those are not his strength, and they haven't been. He's only doing one or two a game. But the intermediate passes to receivers that are really good, I think, is where this team's so good. And then, of course, if that's working, and if the running game is working, it opens him up as a runner as well. And he's not running as much as past years, but he's picking his spots, and he's still an extremely dangerous runner. Uh I have to ask you about the two Penn State guys, Adafi Owe and uh, Jordan Stout. What's been your thought and the organization's thought on each? Well, Jordan Stout, his his last year, his rookie year, I think he and they would say it was a little bit of a disappointment. I think he felt the pressure of coming in as a fourth-round pick and replacing a guy in Sam Cook who played more games than anyone ever for the team. Yeah. So it was a humongous change going from Cook to Jordan Stout. Um, and so I think his, his, his rookie year was, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And he even said as much. He said he felt like he was pressing. He's been more consistent this year. I honestly think his best game he played was, might have been in the, the one that didn't really quote matter, the week seven, week 18 game against the Steelers. It was an absolute monsoon here. It was like 40 degrees and pouring. And Stout was absolutely crushing the ball. Um, He's been much better this year. He's been a very consistent player, and I think they're pleased with him this year. Adafi Owe was another interesting one because um, there were there's been people that have not been happy with him, fans I'm talking about, because this guy, again, came in as a first-round draft pick, and they expected yep. huge things of him right away, and it didn't translate on the field the first year or two. Um, there wasn't a lot of production there, and, and you talk to Mike McDonald, the coordinator, and he says, yeah, the sacks weren't there, but what people don't see is that he, you know, he blew up the pocket and someone else got the sack. And that might be true. That also might be a bit diplomatic. Um, always had games where he's looked really good, and he's had games where he's kind of vanished. He's been hurt, too. I mean, he's been dealing with an ankle injury the last two or three weeks, so he's been limited. Um, he's got his spot, and I think he's going to be a big part of what they do for the next – I mean, I think that they would definitely like to see an impact from him. Um, but he's been quiet. Overall, the, the, the potential is no doubt there, and we've seen it in in spurts, but it hasn't been there consistently. Uh, Bo, one final question: How do you view the matchup with Kansas City? Well, I mean, I you know I, I am going to lean on this Ravens defense because I just watched them play over the course of the year, and just their physicality is something the teams aren't used to. That's my stretch. I see them. I saw it against Seattle, against Detroit, against Houston this past week. After a while, they just wear down these offenses. They just look like they're tired of getting hit. Having said that, you've got to deal with Patrick Mahomes in January, which is not a good thing to do. Um, So he's going to be an extremely dangerous person. I'm wary of picking against Patrick Mahomes in January. But I do think the Ravens' defense is going to ultimately make the plays that win the game, whether that's a sack, whether it's a tip ball that gets picked, whether it's just knocking Pacheco out of the game, whatever it might be. I think the Ravens are going to win. I think it's going to be close. And I think ultimately 
we're going to be talking about the Ravens' defensive effort. January 3rd, 1971. The last time Baltimore hosted an AFC championship game with some guy named Johnny Unitas, a quarterback. Yeah, around here they're saying this is the, you know, it's obviously the biggest football game in Ravens history at home. The cons- around here the belief is that this is the biggest sporting event in Baltimore since the Cal Ripken 21-31 game, and they've got all the people coming back for this game. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are being introduced before the game. Michael Phelps, the Olympic gold medalist who's from Baltimore, is delivering yeah. the game ball. Ripken actually was the game captain last week, but last I saw, tickets on the secondary market are up at like 800 to to $1,000, so this town is bonkers this week. Bo, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Great work as always. All right, thanks, guys. Good talking to you. All right. There you go. So that's uh, Bo Smolka. Yeah. Yeah. FOT, friend of Todd's. That's a long list. At least I like to think it is. Well, way to go, man. That was good. No, that, I mean, that, the city is insane over this. And this is good for the city. Um, I'll never forget interviewing Denny McLean on this show. And in 1968, this country went through an upheaval, a turmoil between the shooting death of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whose tomb I just visited a few weeks ago, and Bobby Kennedy, two months later, was murdered at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles uh, the night of the California primary. And the riots and the burning of the cities was an every-night occurrence and in Detroit, it was awful. And during that 68 summer, as the rioting and the burning was happening in Detroit, now we'll use Detroit, it is happening everywhere, but in Detroit, the Detroit Tigers, who had just missed winning the pennant by a game the year before, were winning and winning and winning. And Denny McClain was in the process of winning 31 games. And I asked Denny about the impact of the baseball team on the climate of Detroit. And he said, Steve, I really felt that that team calmed the situation down and actually brought unity to the city. And, of course, they won the World Series. They beat the St. Louis Cardinals in seven. And it was Mickey Lolich that won three of the games, and McClain won the other one, who won game six. But he felt strongly in the interview on the show that that was a unifying factor. A sports team can do that. And we know Baltimore has had its problems, right? We know Baltimore has had its problems. Something tells me the Ravens are unifying this city. I mean, listen to that. I mean, listen to what Bo was talking about. He says they're bonkers over this team. All right, we'll take a break. We will come back. More in a moment. Great to have you with us today here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf Online. SunburyMotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory. I mean, great vehicles and great warranties. Pre-owned vehicles, they go over each one of them. Thus, they end up with the Sunbury Motors guarantee, critical to your buying experience, and a great service department that backs it up routine, difficult. They handle it all, and they're always looking for new technicians, by the way. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15. Almost Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. So, uh, by the way, the numbers came in for the uh, Peacock game between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And they say they got $23 million. Now, remember, they paid $110 million to carry the game, Peacock NBC. Uh, they got $23 million in prime time. Now, that's really good. The next night, the Rams and the Lions played in prime time on NBC. That got 38 million viewers. There was no Patrick Mahomes playing in that game. So what is the goal here of the NFL? Thursday night football, look, I can see. That's fine. But what's the goal? What's the goal of this show listenership-wise? What's the goal? As many as possible? Yeah. You get as many people as possible listening. That's why we brought you in. Okay. We ran out of the suits, friends. Um, but that was after day two. Uh, but that's a different story, different time. Uh, but that's the goal. The goal is to get as many people as possible watching your product. They already have done these TV contracts. We're in year two. There's still eight more seasons to go. Right? You've got people watching in droves. And then you then you force people to do something else, and an entire segment of the country sits there and goes, I'm not going to do that. I'm, not gonna, I'm already paying cable. What the heck do I want to pay another $6 for? I mean, and people did it at $23 million, but nowhere near, nowhere near the viewership of the other games that were played. 
I mean, Dallas, Dallas Green Bay, gigantic number. Okay? Lions and Rams, gigantic number. $23 million is actually a pedestrian number, but we're supposed to all go, jump up and down because it was on pay-per-view. In all the stuff I read uh, about the game, uh, nobody mentions that it was the lowest watch game. Uh, nobody mentions that right. uh, everybody mentions the 2 million signups. And since there was 2 million signups, everything I read said that there will be at least one playoff game for eternity now on streaming. Right. And guess what? Of those 2 million signups, how many dropouts will there be in a month to six weeks? Uh, they never report that stuff. That's what I mean. That's why you have to have balanced reporting when it comes to stuff like this. Okay, You have to have balanced reporting to it. In other words, how many people end up dropping the service, and it's a one-time deal. right? And the NFL playoff ratings have been tremendous. I mean, they've been great. There's no getting around it. They've been really good. 50.3 50.3 million for the Chiefs and the Bills. Yeah. 50.3 million. In other words, 27 million more people watch the Chiefs the next week. Doubled. Double. I mean, it's it is stunning. Right? And they take one game that is a pretty good game. It has a following to it, including the quarterback a lot of people want to watch. And that's what they do with it? I mean, what genius sits down at Park Avenue and says, this is a good idea? Hey, you you have to be careful with your product that you don't get cocky with it. Okay? Okay, Green Bay and Dallas. 40 Point two million viewers on Fox. Forty point two million. Half of them made up of Eagles fans hoping they'd lose. What? What? Tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Even a Monday afternoon game. Monday afternoon, four thirty. Wasn't scheduled. Got postponed. Thirty one point one million. For Monday afternoon, I know it's King Day, but Monday afternoon at 4.30, they got 31.1 million? They got 8 million more viewers for a Monday afternoon game than a Saturday night primetime game. Okay. 38 million for Rams and uh, Lions. I mean, even the Houston game against the Browns got 25.9 on a Saturday afternoon. Dolphins Chiefs got 23 million, okay, on Peacock. But that number would have been up around 40 Saturday night. Mahomes prime time, really? I, mean, I I don't get this. The idea is to get people. <laughs> To watch your product. That's the entire idea. Why do you think the NBA did the in-season tournament? They're trying to figure out some way in the regular season to get more viewers. 
It's just, you just sit back and say, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is the strategy? When Peter King joined us two weeks ago, it, he kind of, you know, made it sound like that this is something that Roger Goodell's been pushing and that he believes this is, it is the future, but I don't know. I think the future is a little further away than these people think it is. It's much further away, right? I I equate it to electric cars. Electric cars may be the dominant deal 10 years from now, but it's not now. Okay? If it was, people would be buying them. All right? But right now, it's got a market of about 7%. I can read, too, you know. I forgot. We're not... People hate that. It says, how do you know that? Well, I can read. (laughs) You know, they take the time to find out. You're not supposed to do that. They hate when you read. Don't don't think for yourself. I was going to say, it's not that people can't read. It's that they don't read. Right. But that's the bottom line. I mean, the bottom line is, is that people are making their choices. Your job is to not force the choice. Right? Your job is like, this is great. Let's get as many people as possible watching. Not the NFL. Don't get so cocky with your product. You cut off a segment of the population from viewing it. You already have your TV deal. You already have the TV deal. See, that's the part that, that baffles me. The TV deal still has more eight more seasons to run on it. Okay. So what are you angling for more money for? You've already got it. Ugh. You know, you can you can price yourself out. You can you can do certain things in certain ways. Okay? I mean the Ravens went over Houston, thirty two point four million. Pretty good. All right. The Tampa Detroit game, thirty seven point two million. Uh San Francisco's went over Green Bay, thirty seven point five million. I mean, mean, these are just phenomenal numbers. Phenomenal numbers. And now you get the championship games this week. And look, the weather's played a role, too. The weather hasn't been great. People are staying indoors and they're watching it. But my goodness. I mean, I was always taught in media, do whatever you can. Not whatever you can. I mean, now you sound like Michigan football. Oh, sorry, did I say that? Sorry. Just speaking for America on that one. That was a 49-state statement. Uh, but you are... Um, your goal in media is to get as many people listening or watching. Okay? It's, it's not to turn people away. It's not to dictate terms as to where they find it. How many times have you heard me say... Like we were talking about the baseball playoffs. I've said on the show, I said, you have to do your product in such a way where people can find it. Right? Okay. Well, I mean, that's the key. Can people find it? So, again, 
2023, Saturday afternoon, Chiefs-Jags was 34-3, right? This time it was Ravens-Texans, 31-8. Saturday night game, Giants-Eagles, 28-6. Again, the Eagles dragged the whole thing down. You can just see it's the lowest of the group. Uh, Packers-Niners, 37-5. Sunday afternoon, Bengals-Bills, 39-3. This time it was Bucks-Lions, 40.4. And Niners and Cowboys, 45-6. Chiefs and Bills, 50.3. How about that? While you were talking, I did. I looked something up and did a little math. That meant that 40% of homes with televisions in, in the United States were watching the Chiefs and Bills on Sunday night. 40%. Yeah. Can you, wow. do you, is there anything that 40% of this country agrees on now? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I just don't understand when you put together a media strategy that's a 10-year media strategy and you sign off on it and then you start pulling this stuff. You already have a a package that is streaming and that's Amazon. Right? And Amazon, to its credit, is, you know, after a first year of like, okay... Last year did much better this time through. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting strategy. I have to admit. Oh, it's the wave of the future, man! It's not here yet. Okay, just slow down. Stop trying to force square pegs into round holes. Okay, society, some. It's easy for them to adapt and can do it. There's a whole segment out there that can't, and I thought you were supposed to be a sport for the masses. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So, when's the uh, next uh, Shikalimi uh, basketball broadcast? Uh, do we know? Uh, tomorrow night at home with Seals Grove. Yeah, because I was there were several uh, uh, people in the station asking me because if, when that happens, the suit's out of the building. All right, so uh, just what? It's just a personal thing. I'm just trying to get the morale up. <laughs> I'm thinking the suit and I will probably be in the same place tomorrow night. Yeah, you probably will. Probably will. Now, they had a really good win, right? Didn't they beat Central Mountain? Yeah, they beat Central Mountain Saturday, and uh, Shemokin's undefeated in the league, and they only lost by a point. Okay. Uh, they've been they've been playing real well. They've won three or four. Yeah. Good. That's great. Hey, uh, uh, kudos to the Penn State football fan base. Uh, second highest attendance in the history of the program on average, better than 108,000. Uh, which was great. They had three games. They averaged 108-409, which is the second highest ever at Penn State. I think 2007 was the largest, I think. And it was second highest in the nation behind Michigan. Uh, They had three games over 110. Um, And the fact that in this crazy world with all the you know the higher prices in grocery stores the higher prices for gas and things like that 
to have that many people on an average weekend select you as their entertainment is phenomenal. You know, and the effort that's put in to drive in, get there, park, do everything I've always talked about. Um, so it is, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I remember one time I was, oh, I'm not going to get into who, okay? I'm not going to get into who. But I had somebody had made a job offer to me. All right? It was a play-by-play job. And I called my dad. And I said, you know, Dad, I said, this is what I'm weighing here. And, you know, he says, going back and forth on it. And he, and I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, Steve, you can't go wrong at Penn State, and you can't go wrong staying there because, I said, those fans, he says, and, and the people who are involved at Penn State embody loyalty. And I said, and when he said that to me, that was like, boom, that was my decision, I stayed. I'm not going to say where, because, you know, you know that, that's, that's, that's different, okay? That's, that's my business. And when he said that to me, I was like, that really hit me. And that's what we see here on a week-in and week-out basis. There's a loyalty to this university and a loyalty to its sports by the fans, by those who just love the university, even if they are not sports fans, that really is a separator that makes this place different than any other place, that, that, that loyalty that it just beats within the chest, not just the mind, but it's the heart. And you can see this when you're getting averaging 108.409 per game in an era where everybody else's numbers are going down. That's something else. I mean, that's something else. Um, that you know. Now, does it mean that they've got 108.409 in there for every game? Of course, you know. Of course, some of those you know, some of those games we all know end up being tickets sold. I mean, let's use our brains here. But that is a phenomenal, still a phenomenal accomplishment in today's era. Look what they're doing across the board. Uh, look at the Buffalo Bills. When they moved into what was then Rich Stadium from Old War Memorial Stadium, Rich Stadium had 80,000 seats. This is for the Buffalo Bills. 80,000 seats. Now, this is before they put in luxury suites and things like that. Well, now they're building new Highmark Stadium there. It's going to be 65,000 seats. And that's the trend you're seeing across the country, right? The Farrell Center. I did two games in the Farrell Center in Waco uh, where Baylor played basketball forever. 10,000 seats. They just built a brand-new place, 7,500. Perfect size. You're seeing more and more places downsize, go that direction. I mean, I just did a game at Ohio State on Saturday, 18,500-seat building, almost 19,000 seats. They had maybe seven to 9,000 people there. It's too big. It's too big. Yet you come here, and they're using a shoehorn to get people in at 108, 409 per game. That's quite a tribute to the fans. 
And it goes back to what my dad talked to me about. You know, he said, Dad, I'm just bouncing this back and forth. I said, I just, you know, I need to hear what you think. He says, Steve, the loyalty that is embodied at Penn State, you can't go wrong. Okay. I made the decision to stay, and he was right. Made the decision to stay, and he was right. All right. Now, I mean, fortunately, you came on board. That's a big plus. I mean, because, like, the first couple of years I had this suit guy. I was like, oh, man, maybe I should have taken the other job. All right, so, uh, no, just kidding. Uh, and uh, hockey this weekend, Penn State, Notre Dame, pair of games uh, tomorrow and Saturday, Penn State basketball, Minnesota. Uh, coming in here Saturday, 6.30, we're on at 6.00. Uh, Lady Lions are at Northwestern tonight, and the Lady Lions are playing great. They're playing really, really well. Uh, actually, an exciting, fun team to watch. Carolyn's done a great job with them. And wrestling is at Maryland this weekend, I believe. And, Todd, I mean, when you sit there and cover a game, do you sit next to Dave? I try to. Oh, no wonder you know what's going on. All right, good. (laughs) You know what's great about the fact that you listen to Dave? Is that of the three of you there, you're the only one that is. All right, so uh, I have to take a deep breath. Say something, Dave. Kidding. That was a pretty good impersonation. Oh, jeez. <laughs>